Lord, we just thank you for today. We thank you for Drew and his heart to um, just give this message that you've put on his, on his heart. And I just pray that as we as the receivers, our ears would be opened and that your Holy Spirit would um, just lead us and help us to respond in a way that is loving to you and that is glorifying to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Annie. Well, everybody, um, as you know, we have an 8 a.m. service, so this morning that meant that I got to start my car um, early, and you guys probably know this routine, especially if you're up kind of early. You wake up early, you do a lot of your morning stuff, and then I look at, I'm like, I should probably start my car, and then I'm like, well, it's way too early. If I start it now, it's going to sit for so long. And then I wait like 10 more minutes, and I'm like, it's still too early, I should wait longer. And then I look again, it's still too early, but what the heck, I just start the car, it's gonna run for way too long, but better too hot than too cold. So I did that this morning. Um, our car, we're getting worked on on Monday, but has some issues with the four-wheel drive, so we only have two-wheel drive in that vehicle, which is why I'm driving it. Um, and uh, in addition to that, I don't know if this is a thing you guys have, but with this car, if it's warm, and then it gets below freezing, well, it's like snowy and stuff, uh, the door opens okay, but it doesn't close after that. You open it, when you go to close it, it just goes and bounces back. And I've like, I never have time in the morning to like take a little torch or something and heat it up so it closes. So this morning, I made it here, two wheel drive with my door going, <laughs> Lord provides. So uh, the, the last four weeks, we did Genesis 1 through 11. We were joking last week, Aaron and I, that it was the first half of the Bible, and the next four weeks, we're doing the second half, right? Um, which is the whole tracking with God's plan, not just with humanity, but specifically through his people, right? In Genesis 12, kicks off with Abraham. And so this week, we're talking about Abraham, God's covenant with Abraham. Um, I, if you saw my church-wide email I sent out, um, I thought it was moving and humorous, so you may have missed out if you didn't see it. Uh, but for me, and I said this in my email, the Old Testament, the covenants of the Old Testament are for me one of my greatest sources of uh, grace, of faith, and of empowerment. And if they're not for you, they can be. Tracing God's story with his people through the Old Testament, specifically through the lens of the covenants, for me, has been one of the most transformative, foundational understandings that I've come to have. And so I am excited this morning, really, really excited. Uh, Genesis 12, we're looking just at the first three verses, verses one through three, and here's what I love. This covenant, we're looking at just three verses, this covenant gives us a window. It is a pivotal time in history that God inserts himself into the history of a people that now we are recipients of, right? And we get this, it's like a window. You look at the verses and we actually have the benefit of time. We can put our head through the window and we get to see through time that not even the author had to see how God has fulfilled this covenant. And we know through time the things that God was committing to and instituting when he approached Abraham. And so, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take this window and look into it. I do want to say, this section of scripture, a lot of times, becomes a conversation about looking at Abraham and his step of faith. And we are going to do some of that in the coming weeks. But this week, what I want you to do, we're looking at 
remember the window. We're looking big picture through these verses. And secondly, we're going to look at what this tells us about God. Okay? So I have for you guys, and you guys know the drill. We're going to look at the passage. I got five observations for you. And at the end, I got three questions uh, for you to take away. Okay? So, uh, right here for this passage with Abraham, we actually don't know a ton about him outside of uh, a little bit that comes after this. We know that he lived around 2000 BC in Ur, which is like the Persian Gulf. We know that he moved with his family. We know that God spoke to him and that he listened and obeyed. God promised uh, to give him Canaan, right? There's a promised land. He'd have descendants and be a great nation. He'd be blessed. He'd be a blessing. And then he was going to bless all the families of the earth. And we know that Abraham obeyed and left. And that's what we know at this point. So let's read this together. Verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Man, am I pumped. Let's hop in. Observation number one, okay? God made himself ultimately responsible. Right now, if we want to purchase a piece of land or if we want to buy a house or pay someone to do a service, we put a contract together, and in some cases we add some wording in so that it's legally binding, and we form that contract, and we set the conditions on the contracts in case someone passes away or someone defaults on something. Um, what they're able to do right now with covenants this time in history, this is their, their format. They say, I do A, and you do B. And in most cases, I mean, this is the time, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, right? So if you don't do your portion, usually you're done. Something to note, I think for us as believers, is most of our context for the understanding of covenants in the Old Testament is based around Mosaic law, okay? Now, Mo Mosaic law is fundamentally conditional, okay? God has said, I'm going to do these things, but also there is a portion that the Israelites have to do to continue to move towards the, the promises uh, that he has offered to them. This covenant, and we approach it the same, does not have conditions on it. God is not saying, do A, B, and C, and then I will do my things that I've agreed to. God gives him a command but God says, I will do this. He says, I will, will, or a verb that's declarative in nature, eight times in just the three verses. He will give him the promised land. He will give him a nation. He will make him blessed. He will make him a blessing. He give him favor. And he will make him a blessing to the entire world. So, while well, he's commanded to go, God is going to. It's unconditional. We actually get, like, definitive evidence of this. Later on, Abraham has the benefit of having an encounter with the living God in Genesis 15, and they have a conversation, and Abraham uses um, the opportunity to express some of his concerns to the living God that told him to leave his home, right? And to help build some confidence, they uh, practice a ritual of finalizing this covenant, where they take some animals, they split them in two, and they pass through the animals to signify, if I don't uphold my portion of this covenant, do to me what happened to the animal. But, and you guys know the story, what happens is Abraham gets everything ready, splits the animals, and then God puts Abraham to sleep, and God passes through the animals. 
So the ritual that's supposed to finalize this contract, God finalizes it by saying, I'm going to do all of these things. And who ultimately is responsible to make all these things happen? Me. If it doesn't work out, it's all on me. God made himself ultimately responsible. It's kind of like uh, if I paid someone, I just choose one of you guys, a million dollars to do a project for me, build me a real nice house or something, um, and I already know going into it uh, that there's a chance it's going to go wrong, and then we put in the contract, if you blow the money, if you screw it up, if you don't get the right kind of permits or something and postpone the project and everything goes wrong, I am responsible to give you more money, and also, at the end of the day, I'm the one responsible to make sure that you finish the project right. And then the kicker is, you have no idea what you're doing, and I know for sure you're going to blow the million dollars. Okay? And even that is really quite low-key compared to what's actually happening right here. Because it's not a house at stake or money. It's salvation. So this is absolute craziness. That brings me to observation number two. God initiated the covenant. Verse one there says... Um, now the Lord said, I know, it's a lot there, huh? Mind-blowing. You know, the majority of history is filled, and we see this all through the Old Testament, of people wanting to appease the gods, wanting favor, wanting to get their way, and approaching the gods with sacrifices that they give to the gods. And usually the sacrifices are really bad, and really expensive, and usually nothing happens. So the formula is, at the time that God's speaking this, here's the formula. Man approaches the gods. Okay? Then man commits the sacrifice, regardless of whether the gods are going to do anything or not. And let's be honest, it's kind of roll the dice. Then, man advocates for himself through the sacrifice. He's the advocate for himself, ultimately. In this verse right here, God initiating this, it's completely reversed. Everything is reversed. God approaches man. God commits, regardless of man's coming failures. And then God advocates for man. He's turned this whole thing between the gods and mankind on its head. Abraham was not seeking divine favor in his endeavor. There's no, no indication that he was planning to move uh, in a very, very risky move across uh, the whole gulf all the way over. And yet, he seems to respond, which brings us to our third point. God chose Abraham. The verse there, still verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram. Again, you know, with Abraham, we don't know a ton. Um, we know that he was a man of faith. He's a man that listened and obeyed, right? We know this because he heard some crazy stuff and did it. Um, also, we know basically the main area that Abraham fails that we know of that's written about is specifically in the area of faith. So he's really good at faith. He's also really bad at faith. And besides that, his name means exalted father. So 
I kind of like go through my mind a little bit, some of like the, yeah, I don't know exactly how that encounter with God went. It seems to be that later on the encounters that Abraham has with God seem to be a little bit more in depth, where this first one, we're given no context other than God said to Abram, right? So leads me to believe it was a little more subtle than some of the later encounters. But I, I don't know if you've had these prayer times, I'll, I'll be praying and I, and I, praying and I feel like God's like, I, I want to make you, I want to make you a, a man of integrity. I feel like, yes, Jesus. Amen. Yes, Jesus. And then I feel like he'll like maybe speak something and I want to, I want to provide for you and I'm, I can say yes to that. And then I'll hear, and I'm going to, I'm going to make you a multimillionaire. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I think this whole prayer is wrong. I think I missed the hallmark because that just took a really extreme turn. And I just imagine Abram, like the land, yes, I can track with that. Blessed, sweet, a great nation, I will still take that. Blessing, whoa, and then a blessing to all nations of the earth. I just feel like, man, this guy really, he really believed it. He really went for it. So God seemed to choose him because he had the faith to listen and to obey. Number four, God had you in mind. This is in verse three. In all the families of the earth, in you, in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When God was making these promises to Abraham, talking about all families, your name is on the list. Galatians um, chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 9, and it's, it's up here, says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, which is you, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, which is the covenant here, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, When God is laying us out, he knows every person by name, right? You know he knows the hairs on our heads, grains of sand on the beach. When he's making this, he knows all the families of the earth. He could name them all, right? I'm doing this for you and you and you and you. You will all be blessed. All right, option number five. God knew the challenges ahead. So up until now, God's the one that initiated this. Okay? Then, when God is approaching this covenant, this contract, he absolutely rigs it so it's impossible for it to fail on man's failures, which it would have, and we all know that. He guarantees it himself. And then to me, the thing that just throws it into overboard is that he did this knowing that he had 2,000 years before Jesus would go to the cross, the fulfillment of a blessing to all families, and obviously it continues. God could see the future, and he said yes. So God knew there would be famine in the land he was promising Abraham. He knew there would be enemies in the land As he's speaking to Abraham, he knows 400 years of imprisonment in Egypt. 
He's seen the Red Sea split as Moses listens. He sees Jericho's walls and the people trembling and yet obeying in faith and the walls crumbling. He sees the Philistine armies moving into the land with steel that vastly overpower the Israelites. He sees them weeping as they rebuild the temple walls after captivity, being concerned about former glory and yet saying, no, there's more glory to come. He sees them dominated by empires, idol worship, unbelief, idolatry, and eventually legalism. And yes, he even, as he speaks this covenant to Abraham, he's binding himself in contract to mankind, to, to God's people, to send his son to the cross. So as he says, you have only to go, and I'm going to do all these things, and I'm accountable to hold all of this up, and I'm initiating it, and as I speak these words, I am binding myself in contract with you that I'm going to send my son to fulfill what I'm committing to. And God also knew the hundreds of thousands of people that were chosen by him, that still said no. He knows the millions and millions of no's he's gotten over and over again from people. You know, the billions of people that he would invite, many of which would say no. He sees all of that as he commits and says, I'm going to make you a blessing to all the families of the earth. The God that made that covenant is the God that's making covenant today for you. So how do we respond? I said earlier, for me, man, covenants in the Old Testament are my favorite meal. I love them. For me, there, it's in, in the top list, it, there's like, it's been one of the most transformative things for my spiritual life. And the reason is this, is that if God is committing to Abraham with that level of commitment and foresight and sacrificial love, that allows me to take a, basically an endless amount of comfort to take myself in my weariness, in my questioning, and in my desperation, and to lean myself on the pillar that is this covenant. This is one of the turning points in human history and has created the turning point in your life. And so this covenant, like the window that we pop through, gives us access to see not just God in, in a story, but a God in the story he's orchestrated through all of time that now you are a part of. He started it. He chose the people. He chose you. He set the terms of the relationship where he does it all. You just say yes. He made the plan. He provided the means to obey. And he planned it. He knew 2,000 years before he even would be able to provide Jesus' sacrifice. So I want to give you three questions. First one is this. What area of my life do I assume God's plan is not at work and I'm on my own? What area of your life do you approach with the assumption that you're on your own? That God, yeah, he has a plan, but you're on your own. Number two, what, this is for you to 
Ask Lord, what challenge in my life has caused me to question God's willingness or ability to fulfill his plans for my life? And lastly, what areas of my life is God highlighting right now? And I mean right now. I want to invite you guys this morning. As we go to worship, to actively invite Jesus to speak to you. To let the strength of this story that echoes through time into eternity be a pillar you lean yourself on and lean yourself on this morning with action. By praying, you can use one of these questions or just pray, Lord, what do you want to do? I love John, John Piper. He always says uh, that people's Begin, the beginner's prayer is essentially the want to want. Like, I don't quite want the things that I know God does, but I want to want those things more, and so I kind of just start there. I say, Lord, I, I know I should be more committed to this, or that I should be able to say yes to that, but I don't really feel I am those things, but I, but I want those things more, so help me with that, okay? So I want to invite you this morning. The living God's here today. He wants to speak to you. He's alive through history, through time. He had you in mind for this moment. He had you in mind for this week, this season with COVID. And he's got really good plans. He's a God that gives faith, that gives empowerment. Would you guys stand with me? So let's meet with the covenant maker, the empowerment giver, and the promise keeper. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, we just say this morning that we are here to meet with the living God, the God who makes covenants, the God who initiates relationship with us. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. As we declare who you are and as we approach uh, your throne, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would make yourself known, and we thank you that you're alive, that you're kind, and that you're so good. We love you, Jesus. Let's worship together, everybody.